0: The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next on Life Today, best-selling author and speaker Sheila Walsh shares from her heart a recent painful struggle.
1: I discovered that we were tremendously in debt in ways that I couldn't have even anticipated. Christian's College Fund was gone. All sorts of things were were gone. And then not very long ago, just a couple of years ago, I discovered that we were actually going to have to file for bankruptcy and lose our home
0: learning to let God take the burden of unforgiveness as we spend Wednesdays in the Word.
1: Hello and welcome to Wednesdays in the Word. I'm Sheila Walsh and I'm so glad you could join us. You know, some of the greatest lessons in life that I've learned have really come through being a mom. And I was thinking today about the time when my son Christian was 10 years old and it was a particularly cold day here in Dallas, you know, and they're fairly rare. We'd just finished lunch and Christian asked me a question. He said, Mom, would you make me a flask of hot chocolate? And I said, sure, darling, are you going out to play football? And he made this announcement. He said, no, Mom, today, I'm running away from home. I said, wow, that's huge news. Thank you so much for telling me. And I said, do you mind if I ask you a couple of questions? And he said, no, go ahead. I said, did I do something, darling? Did dad do something? Did we hurt your feelings? He said, no, it's nothing to do with that, mom. It's, but think about it, there's you, there's dad, there's the dogs, nothing important ever happens here. I said, that's very true. And he said, if I don't leave now, I will never have great stories to tell in the future. So I started making his hot chocolate for him and I said, do you mind me asking where you're going? And he said, north. I believe I'll head north. And I said, what are you gonna do for money? He said, oh, don't worry, mom. I intend to come home on weekends. So that was a huge relief to me as his mother. So I made him his flask of hot chocolate. I gave it to him, we put it in his backpack with his soccer ball, with a dog's blanket, a book, a pint of ice cream, interestingly enough. And he headed out the back door and I said, traveling mercies. Do stay in touch. So I ran upstairs to the balcony where I knew that I could keep an eye on him. And he went all the way around the lake where we used to live and sat down by an old tree, unpacked his backpack and spread out the blanket, poured himself some hot chocolate and I imagine began contemplating life in the North. And I thought, now what do I do when he moves on? So I thought, well, I'll take the dogs for a walk and hopefully I can stay far enough back that he won't see me. And if he does, I'll just have to say, I'm so sorry. Didn't know this was north, directionally challenged mother. But eventually I realized what he was doing was he would packed up everything and he was actually coming home. So that night when he was back, when he was in bed and we'd said our prayers, I said to him, Christian, tell me about your adventure today. Did you have a good time? And he said this, he said, I did mom. But I think I would have enjoyed it more if my bag wasn't so heavy. I've thought about that for a long time. I wondered how many of us are dragging a lot of baggage through our lives. Let me just ask you a question. Wherever you are right now watching this, you might be in your office watching a computer or at home or in a hotel room. What would it look like right now if all your baggage became visible? I don't mean your pillow or your snacks. I mean the stuff you're dragging through life, the stuff that you push down into the cellar of your soul because you don't know what to do with it. You know, it might be unforgiveness, bitterness, disappointment, secrets, you know, an abortion, an affair. Maybe you're hooked in online pornography. I don't know what it is. But this baggage that you drag through every day. I want to ask you a question, though. If you saw it, would you want to keep it? Or would you want to take Christ up on what is a ridiculously glorious exchange? This is how it actually reads in the message translation of the Bible. It's Matthew, and you'll know it when I start the verse, you'll know where it is. It's Matthew 11:28 28 through 30. But this is how it reads in the message translation. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You know, I have to say in my own life, in the last 10 years, The most important lessons that I have learned have all been on one thing, forgiveness. I gave my life to Christ when I was 11 years old. Last July I turned 60, that's a long time of walking with Jesus, that's a long time of understanding his faithfulness, but I have to honestly say every significant lesson that I've learned in the last 10 years have been to do with forgiveness. Now that caused me to go back to what we know as the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew. It really is, it's not so much the Lord's Prayer, it's a prayer that the Lord gave his friends to teach them how to pray. So let me just read, I'm actually reading from the New Living, and this is Matthew 6, um, verses nine through 13. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, only the new King James and the King James Version add on that part that we know for yours is the kingdom, the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. But the interesting thing is at the end of that, that's usually where we Consider the prayer is done. We add our amen and we're done, but Jesus doesn't stop there. Verses 14 and 15, we read this. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Why do you think that Jesus went on to unpack that? If you notice, if you read through the prayer again yourself, Everything else is something we're asking God to do. May your will be done. Will you provide for us? The only thing that you and I are asked to do is forgive. But then Jesus goes on to unpack the importance of us. This is obviously a game changer. I really believe that the church of Jesus Christ can be crippled by unforgiveness because we think there's some things that have been done to us that aren't, are unforgivable. And honestly, If it wasn't for the cross of Jesus Christ, that's true. But because of the way that you and I have been forgiven, he has made it possible for us to forgive. I need to confess to you here. This is not just a kind of exercise in biblical truth for me, it's deeply personal. When my husband Barry and I were first married, or before actually, during our marital counseling, the marriage counselor asked me, um, "You know, what are some of the things that are really important to you within your marriage? And I said, um, really just a couple of things. Number one is that we always tell each other the truth. I think you can get through almost anything if you just tell the truth to each other, because the enemy loves to wreak havoc in darkness and lies. And the other thing was, I don't ever want to get into debt. You know, after my father committed suicide when I was five years old, it really impacted our family in so many ways. But one of the more obvious ways to other people was that we lost our home, we lost our car, we moved into government housing. My brother, my sister and I were the only ones who had free school meals and free school uniforms. So we were kind of recognized as the poor kids. And I think that left a bit of a scar, a bit of a stigma inside of me. So I said to my husband, I don't ever want us to be in a place where we would ever be in debt. Well. I don't know if you were affected by this, but in probably the year 2006, maybe, around about there, the housing market, particularly here in Texas, kind of plummeted. Well, we were caught right in the plummet. We had one home, and I didn't really like the area we were in because it was right next to a high school, and our son was little at the time, and twice he was knocked off his bike by teenage kids coming, tearing through the neighborhood in their cars. And I said to Barry, we need to be in a quieter neighborhood that's more safe. And so we found what would have been really the perfect house. But, and then we got an offer on our old house. And, but it was, they weren't quite matching up by a couple of days. We would have to sign on the new house before our other house sold. And that made me a little nervous, but the realtor was like, no, it's all good. It looks all good. Well, I'm sure you can anticipate the rest of the story. We signed on this new house and literally before the ink was dry, The bottom fell out of the housing market, and the people who had put an offer in our house withdrew, and we ended up owning two homes for five years. It was devastating. Not only that, I felt so ashamed. I felt like we were wasting the resources that God had given us. But it began to get a little worse because i think every family has their own kind of love language how they express love to each other well my husband's mom and dad he was an only child and they found it hard to say you know i love you they would just give him things that was the way they expressed their love they would buy things and i noticed in our new home that i would come home from speaking somewhere and there would be like different light fixtures or different carpet and i would say you know, why, why has this changed? And he said, oh, don't worry about it. It's just, you know, a, a deal that we did with the builder. It's all fine. Well, further on, I, I discovered that um, that was not quite the case. And let me just say to you right now, I share this not just with my husband's blessing, but with his encouragement. You know, when you've made big mistakes and you've received grace, boy, you sure want to share that with other people. So just in case you're a guy and you're getting a little uncomfortable here about the woman sh- oversharing, it's absolutely with his blessing. Um, I discovered that we were tremendously in debt and in ways that I couldn't have even anticipated. Christian's college fund was gone. All sorts of things were, were gone. And then not very long ago, just a couple of years ago, I discovered that we were actually going to have to file for bankruptcy and lose our home. I was so It's hard to say how I felt. I was angry and I was disappointed. And I felt as if there'd been such a break in what we had agreed to as a couple. And I remember one night thinking, I want to talk to Christian, not about what his dad did. I want to know, how are you doing inside? Because I'm not the kind of woman that yells and screams. I'm kind of worse than that, actually. I'm more like a quiet terrorist. It's more of a covert operation, if you know what I mean. So I just wanted to know, how's my son doing in his, in his spirit, in his heart? So one night when he was um, in bed and Barry was already asleep, I said to my son, Christian, what can dad or I do to make your life better? And he looked at me and he said, it's you, mom. And I said, what do you mean, darling? And he said, I don't want to do anything that'll hurt your feelings. And I said, Christian Walsh, you have complete permission to hurt my feelings. And this beautiful boy with big brown eyes looked at me and said, mom, you have to forgive him. It's quite something when your child sees the log in your eye and you see the speck, when only you see the speck in your husband's. And it was, it began a journey for me, a real journey of, of learning the gift that forgiveness is in a world where we will all make mistakes. That night after Krishna had gone to sleep, I went for a long walk. I probably walked till like three o'clock in the morning, way out into the countryside. And part of me was saying all the things that as a human, I wanted to say, Lord, this isn't fair. I didn't do any of this. You know, I made it really clear. And about three o'clock, I almost felt as if I came to a place in the road where there was a wall. And I felt Jesus saying, Sheila, you can't go one step further carrying this weight. And I had this image I mean, I've never seen an actual vision, but this image of Christ hanging on the cross. And I thought, how could I kneel at the foot of the cross, pointing a finger at anybody else? And I found myself praying that God would teach me what it looks like to forgive. Sometime later, Barry said to me, I think it would be good if you and I went for some marriage counseling. And I said to him, um, okay then, but let's take separate cars. And he said, why would we take separate cars? And I said, in case we're angry with each other afterwards. And he said, are you anticipating that? And I said, it's a possibility. So he said, okay, I'll meet you there. So driving there, here was my prayer. Holy Spirit, please override me. If I walk in there with what I want, with what I think I I deserve, this will be a mess. There's nothing about it that will bring glory to your name. So Holy Spirit, please overwrite me. So I get in and I sit down and the counselor looks at my husband and says, so how are you doing? And Barry said, honestly, not great. He said, that's one of the hardest things in life when you've done some things that hurt your family and you can't undo them. And he said, I grieve for it every day. And the counselor said to me, Sheila, how are you doing? I said, honestly, I don't really know. And he said, let me tell you something. He said, I asked a friend of mine a few weeks ago, who is your favorite person on this earth? And he said, my friend replied, my tailor. And he said, your tailor? Why would your tailor be your favorite friend? And he said, because every time I go to him, he takes fresh measurements. I'm never what I was last week, last month, last year. And this godly man looked at me and said, Sheila, can you take fresh measurements? And I said, absolutely. And I've got to tell you how that has changed our family. See, that's why Jesus came, because we're all gonna mess up. Some of us mess up in ways that are more obvious but we all mess up, we're all broken, we're not fixed. That's why Christ gave his own life. When he was on the cross, he was saying, Father, punish me for everything that Sheila Walsh will ever do. I wonder how much of your life you have spent thinking that you don't measure up. You think of what it means to be a, a godly husband or a godly wife or, or you know, wherever you are in your workplace and you think, I just don't measure up. I want to remind you of the difference between condemnation and conviction. Remember what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse one, Paul talks about how hard it is to get it right, but then he moves on, he talks about Jesus and he says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Conviction's a different thing. Conviction draws you closer to Christ. Condemnation pushes you further away. So whenever you have felt judged and condemned, I want you to know that has never been from your father, God. That's always from the enemy. Conviction will pull you closer. But I just wanna ask you in your own life today, perhaps you're struggling in your marriage. Do you think you could take fresh measurements? Now, obviously there's some circumstances I'm not speaking to. If you've gone ahead and, and you're divorced, God's grace covers you and it would be our prayer here at this ministry that he would bless you and keep you. Perhaps you have felt obliged to get out of a situation because it's dangerous. We absolutely understand there are circumstances where you should not be. But if you're simply struggling with your humanity and your spouse's humanity, could you take fresh measurements? Could you get on your knees before the cross and ask for a fresh revelation of how much it cost Christ to buy our forgiveness. I have to tell you, my husband and I have been married for 22 years and I thought I loved him a lot when we got married. I love him more today and I have more respect for him. My son and I had a trip to Australia a couple of years ago and and coming back, Christian said to me, he said, you know, I have to tell you, Mom, I love and respect my dad so much. And I found that Sometimes as men, we think if we're seen as vulnerable or weak with our children or our spouses that we lose their respect. I think that's far from the truth. There's nothing more beautiful than a man or a woman who admits the fact that they've fallen and failed and been redeemed by a gracious God. And here's the truth that Barry and I and Christian know. When you have been redeemed, when you have tasted grace, you want to make a difference in the lives of other people. And I'm going to show you one way that you can do that right now.
0: Even in the best of times, the journey of life is rarely easy. This has been especially true for Paulina, who as a mother of five children became a widow when her husband passed away in 2011. As a single mother living in poverty, she provided for her children the best she could, but sadly, It wasn't enough. My child was coming home from school and she started feeling of some fever. Then the next morning, my child died. The second one also came home from school with a fever. Then we went to the hospital. We were given two tablets, but nothing helped. So we started digging roots and boiling them for him to drink. It did not do anything. At last, he died. I lost another child
1: the same way six months later. We've sat with these little ones for quite some time today, and they haven't moved. And even the food that she is able to provide, it's all starch, nothing that will help her children get strong, which is why, I mean, one of them literally came home from school one day sick and by the next morning they were gone because these little ones have no reserves. This little mother has told us that if there was a stairway right now, that she could just walk up and go home to be with the Lord and take her little ones with her, she would go because she's already got three deposits in heaven. If you've ever asked yourself, Lord, I'd love to do something for you this year. What can I do? Here's what we could do. We could take care of widows. We could take care of their children. Mission feeding is so important because what we provide is protein, it's vitamins, it's everything that these little ones need to give them some resistance. And then we can honor the fact that we don't love God only in what we say. We love God in what we do and how we obey His Word. I'll never forget that woman. There was such a longing in her eyes for for this life to be over because it's just so hard. I mean these wee ones they're so they're so vulnerable to anything. They have no reserves, they have no stamina. So if any kind of sickness comes they can't fight. They just simply they just die. But here's the thing I love to see a picture like that and to think well how horrible that is. If we left you there, that would be terrible. Here's the great news, we can change that. And it's so easy. I was able to sit in one of the villages and and feed all the children and I thought, well, if I'm gonna feed it to them, I'm gonna taste it. I wanna see what it's like. Because it looked kind of like oatmeal, but it's not. It is amazing, it's full of protein and vitamins and it makes these children so strong. And you and I can do with really a little. I mean, even if you're a teenager watching this, you can join in. For just $30 a month, you can feed three children for three whole months. I mean, that's unheard of. That's like 10 bucks a child for three months. When could you ever do that? I mean, it costs more than that just to get a pizza. If you can give us $50, we can feed five children for three months. And if you are able to do 100, that feeds 10 children for three whole months. But the great news is, we have some friends who've said, listen, We know the situation there is very desperate at the moment. So we want to give you a matching gift. So there's $400,000 so that if you give $30, it becomes 60 and you feed six children. If you're able to give 100, it immediately becomes 200 and you feed 20 children for three months. You and I have been gifted with so much. We're in this beautiful country. And honestly, in our worst days. You know, when I think of when I felt that Barry and Christian and I were all in a really rough place, it was nothing, nothing compared to what these mothers go through. So let's decide that you and I this year, we're gonna change the lives. If the body of Christ, if we step up, we can change this and we can do it in Jesus name. So many of these women already love the Lord, but some of them don't even know there is a God. When you put a bowl of food, in the hand of their child and say, this comes from friends you'll maybe never meet down here, but they're giving it in the name of Jesus Christ. It changes. Would you go to your phone? Go to your phone, make the best gift you can. If you want to give online, lifetoday.org. But let's change the life for these children. Let's answer the prayers of these mothers. Let's let that woman see her two children growing up strong and healthy. And let's do it in Jesus' name.
0: In remote and impoverished villages of Africa, children are suffering, desperately in need of life-saving food, facing death by starvation. LIFE's Mission Feeding Program is there, ready now to feed and care for children in crisis areas of Angola, Mozambique and Sudan. With all of our previous reserves gone and Angola facing a record food shortage due to crop failure, we need to immediately replenish our funding and supplies for our feeding programs. As an answered prayer, a group of life's friends have set a $400,000 matching gift challenge for mission feeding. This means your gift today can have a double impact. $30 for three children will be double to help feed six children. $50 to help feed five children will be double to save 10 children. And $100 for 10 children will be double to help feed 20 children. And don't forget your $1,400 gift to sponsor a school will now be double to feed children in two schools. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you without rival by author Lisa Bevere. With your double impact gift of $100 or more, please request the complete illustrated children's Bible. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,000, which will now be double to help feed 200 children. And you may request our beautiful majesty bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. I look I look at this line of children here, and I thought, how can you not be touched? God's touched. He cares about them. And I think, what if I, I just visualized some of my grandchildren's faces on these children? And I think, what if that was one of them? I'd want somebody to come in and give them a bowl of soup. I'd want somebody to care about
1: them.
0: Well, these children matter. They matter to
1: God a whole lot. And I know that your heart must be touched. As you look at these lines of children, look at their little innocent faces. They don't have a choice. They depend on someone. Can that someone be us? I want it to be me. Thank you so much for caring and sharing and having a heart to reach out to those that are needy. Because that's God's heart, and that's good. Well, thanks so much for doing that. So, so grateful and so happy that we can make a difference. I feel like you and I know each other now. We've shared a lot. So thanks for being with us. And please remember what a joy it is to change the lives of moms and children with so little. If you think of how we tend to overspend, and what a great thing it is to do for our families. You know, if you have children, I encourage them. If you're going to send in $30, say to them, would you like to contribute a dollar or fifty cents? Whatever. Let's do it as a family. Let's change this nation. I love being with you on Wednesdays in the Word. Bye. I'm Sheila Walsh.
0: Ambassadors for Life are people like you who see need in the world and want to do something about it. Contact us to start a fundraiser today and change someone's future.
1: My father thought so. He always said, you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps. And it's like, Daddy, I don't even wear boots.
0: Author and speaker Liz Curtis Higgs. Tomorrow.